Good morning, Broadway. Good morning to those of you who are here. And good morning, special shout out to the big small group that is out on camping today and most probably watching us together. Good morning to you guys out there. And I would ask all the Gorefish kids to stand up so we can pray for you and have you go to your classes with your teachers. As most of you heard, the summer schedule has started. So that means all our K through fifth kids will come into the service with us for worship and then they'll go into their small group. So let us pray. Lord, we pray for those kids. We pray that you'd bless them and that you'd keep them and that you'd make your face shine upon them and that you'd give them grace. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Your teachers are at the back. Go and have fun and learn and grow in your love for Jesus. Awesome. Um, and then um, today for our scripture reading, uh, we have Wendy Rowan. She's going to read for us today. Wendy, would you come forward and read for us? And then afterwards, our speaker for the day is going to come up and share God's word with us. So we're reading Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief quarter, excuse me, as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Thank you for reading that. Can you guys open up to Ephesians 2 if you're not already there? And we'll get there together. For the last uh, several weeks and even coming into the summer we're chatting about one anothering. It's probably one of my favorite things in all of the world to talk about. I think it has the most hope for the world around us. Our lack of love for one another, 
our lack of patience, service, compassion, and real love for one another, the body of Christ, has a negative impact on the world around us. Jesus would tell us in John 13, 34 and 35 and John 17, 21 and 23 that our love and our oneness would testify to the world that we are his followers indeed. That we, in this oneness, would testify that Jesus really came. And that in light of that oneness, we would tell the world that the Father loves the world. At this point in time, it seems as if we are telling the world how to behave or act like the church, rather than looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, church, where are we? Who are we? We cast stones and we tell people to fix themselves and to behave like they're followers of Jesus. Meanwhile, their hearts are stiffened and hard-hearted and there is no fruitfulness with a hard heart. Would we agree with that? It takes a new heart to do the new work of Jesus. And I have to tell you, as I've walked through the city this week and as I've prayed myself here, I carry a heavy burden to try to innovatively, creatively, in light or in reflection of our creator, have some kind of solution rather than just playing to the fiddle of the world, playing to the lies of legalism, or just jumping in with progressive ideology. And I believe that that Paul, this writer here in Ephesians, the the book of Ephesians, the, the letter of Ephesians, might have a lot to say to us, the church. Remember, all of these letters were written to the church, not to the world. Sometimes I've used this, though, to to throw this at the world. Would you guys agree with me? Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, man, praise God. If you have done that, we're in, the, we're in this together. But when I look at Ephesians, the first two chapters really remind us of who we are in Jesus. Who we are to de- together collectively is in three and four, and then five and six really like how to walk this out in the world amongst us. But chapter two has a special place in, in my heart and my wife's heart, and I prayerfully hope it would be a blessing to you this morning. So before I talk anymore and just... Just ramble on. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, I, uh, I have to testify to you today that I, um, I need you so much. I often carry your stuff as if it were heavy when you've told me it would be light. So I pray for a refreshment from your spirit and just the, the ability to, to carry your heart to your people, not to just talk as one who speaks with no substance, not one who just um, uses a pulpit to try to move people, but God would today be just a, a testimony of your care for your bride. And would that bring your, you glory in ways that no man could bring you glory? I thank you that your word is alive and powerful. Through your spirit, it is, it is the very work that divides truth from lies, the hidden from the seen, and does the work inside of us that nobody can touch without your touch. And so we would ask you today to come, Holy Spirit, in a way that would convict us, that would counsel us, that would comfort us, 
And even, Jesus, we thank you for leaving the Holy Spirit to us, whom you said would be better for us. We ask again that you would speak to each heart in a way that would be precise and remind them of your care for them. I say in your name, Jesus. And his people said, amen. Well, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is a reminder of what it looks like to become a new human. Okay? A new human. A new human is someone that realizes that they are broken and busted outside of the mercy and grace of Jesus who makes us alive. Would you guys agree with that? Man, do you remember who you used to be? Do you remember what you used to be doing? Do you remember where you used to hang out? Do you remember who your boys and gals were? But God rich in mercy, abundant in grace, made you alive and made you for new work before the foundation of the world. That's a new creation. That's a new human. I don't know if you realize that, my friends, my fam here today, but that God has legitimately made you new and made new work for you before you were even made. And then if you were to walk in that, it would bring glory to God in heaven. If you, specifically you as a new human, were to walk in what you've been made to walk in, it would be good for the body, joyfully good for the world, but more importantly, bring God honor. I challenge you to walk in how you've been made. To remember how you've been made and what you've been made for. The greatest injustice the world has ever seen is believers not living into how they've been made. For if we were to live how we were made, light would hit the world. I have this little thing I wrote in here in chapter 3 that I reread this morning. God, at the end of my life. I would hope that that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say I used everything you gave me. Use everything he has given you. Pour it out to the last drop. Have nothing left. I need you to sit in that for a minute. Because while I serve at NeighborLink and have this pastoral heart that I've been... I can't get, I can't escape. The city needs you and me to be us. Like really bad. Not the us on social media, not the us on Sunday, but the us that has been made new. They're waiting for you and me to be who we've been made to be. Waiting. The hard part about being at NeighborLink and having a pastoral heart is that there are over 600 hands raised high right now throughout the city of Fort Wayne saying, Christians, show up, come to my house, sit with me, help me. I don't have answers for the questions that I sit in every single day. Would you come over? So I plead with you and me that we would live into the way we've been made, the work that we've been made for. That's not on Sunday specific, my friends. It's not about 
you know, I love playing a guitar. I love speaking. I love serving. I love opening doors. I love holding babies on Sunday. I love all of that. But there is more work for you than just that. And some of us have been sitting here going, I don't have any space for me to use the gifts and talents that are in me on Sunday. Correct. Sunday wasn't made for those things to be exercised. Monday through Saturday, though, wide open, full throttle. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here in verse 11. Verse 11 says, therefore, remember, I use the ESV, so your NIV or another translation might say it different. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentile in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you weren't part of the crew, that you weren't part of the clan, that you were not cleaned, that you couldn't come into the holy place. You couldn't dwell with the other Jews. You couldn't really worship God. You had no access. Remember, I heard it again from my uncle this morning before we prayed. Man, we have short, short memories. I would say an answer to that for this passage is to sit in verses 1 through 10 so 11 through 22 makes sense remember where you came from and that you didn't have access that i didn't have access that there was no way for us to get anywhere with god other than jesus paul's holy ambition An unapologetic mission was Jesus, only Jesus. Today we are known for everything but Jesus. Who gave us access? Who brought us into the holy of holies? Who made us have the capacity to dwell full and overflowing with the spirit other than Jesus? Remember. Remember that you were at one time separated, Christless, alienated from the commonwealth. Man, you had no no way in. Strangers to the covenant of promise, we were hopeless and we were godless. Sometimes that's hard to grasp being from Fort Wayne, Indiana. If we've grown up in church, maybe it's hard for sometimes for us to sometimes remember that we were we were this Christless, strangers, aliens, hopeless, godless. But now, verse 13. In Christ Jesus, this will become a theme over and over again. Paul will make this a theme of his life. In him, in Christ, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. No work, no ambition, no gift, no talent, no wealth, no pedigree, no color, no culture gave you access simply the blood of jesus he's going to get far more offensive here in a second now just prepare your hearts for what he's about to say jesus christ is the only 
only one who gives everyone access. Only one. Gentiles were half-breeds, dirty dogs. The Jews were the elite and special, holy, chosen people that had forgotten the God who loved them so dearly. And then Christ showed up and said, let me blow it all up and bring everybody to me. He walked streets with the least and the last, the outcast, the back of the crowd, the nobodies, those that didn't have a voice, those that couldn't get access, those that had never been into a worship meeting in their entire life, those who were casted stones at, those who had been left outside of town because they were sick and poor and lame and blind. And he said, come, all of you, come. I will bleed so you can have access. But that's not often what we're telling the world. We are making them bleed and become lifeless for access when there is one that has already done the perfect work of death to grant life. Verse 14, for he himself, again, focusing on Jesus, again, 1 through 10, becoming a new human, the rest of this passage and chapter is about this new humanity that is created in light of new humans for he himself is our peace who has made us both Jew and Gentile one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility again the Gentile could only hang out in this special spot they couldn't get access like if I had uh, a national backdrop, a tribal backdrop, a cultural backdrop. If I had all of those, then I could just go no matter what I had in the tank. No matter what I was doing, I could get in. But if you just were from the wrong spot, you had to hang out over here. Do you guys ever look at the idea of unity and say, man, as we chase unity, we get more disunity? You ever seen that? Think about it. Unity is not a new topic. For 2,000 years, everybody's been trying to capture the idea of unity. What if unity is a fruit, not the goal? Because I read here, he says, like, he's made us both one. This is a gift of Christ's blood. I think we first have to believe a theology and then practice for a lifetime that before i understand oneness before i realize or get excited or understand oneness i have to enjoy and believe that christ has actually made us one these two that were at odds these two that hated each other these two that couldn't get along all of a sudden now by blood one i think i have to believe that and then exercise it i saw a young man yesterday He's gained 40 pounds of muscle in three months. I was like, dog. He went from 175 to 215. I was like, yo, what did you do? I did it all natural. I ate four chickens a day. I was like, wow. Four chickens a day. 
Yeah, four chickens a day. If I ate four steaks a day, I'd, I'd uh, clog my arteries. You can eat all the chicken you want and not clog an artery. I was like, this is amazing. This is great. Oh, we don't do fried chicken, bro. That's how you don't do it. That's how you don't even put it. You drop it in oil and call it a day. That probably could give you some clogged arteries, though. So let's, let's not do, yeah. Well, McDonald's is probably clogging all the arteries from everything you eat there. God bless you. So um, <laughs> you can get a salad and get a clogged artery. So anyway, the point was he had a goal. He did the work. People have been offering him steroids and all these other things. He said, no, man, I don't. They have too many ramifications to get there quickly. Yeah, sure, I could gain the 40 pounds of muscle by injecting myself with some stuff, but it's fake. My point simply is this. If we want the new humanity that Jesus promises, it will take work. On the backside of our belief. We can say that we believe this all day long, but if we're not putting in the work... There is not going to be a production. It says verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. This isn't taken away. The Ten Commandments isn't taken about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, or loving one another, or loving your neighbor away. But all the, the Israelite ordinances, societal stipulations, let's throw those to the left and right because it wouldn't work for a Jew and a Gentile if that were the rules and regulations. Let's throw those to the left and the right. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, some friends at a funeral. That's not the best place to hang out, but we were hanging out nonetheless. And everybody had left. There was about 200 folks there. And uh, we were closing up, uh, cleaning up. And um, they were people of different culture and ethnicity than me. And so they wanted to take the last two hours of cleanup to ask me questions about me as a pastor, my beliefs, and specifically my tattoos. They're like, hey, brother, tell us about what the Bible says about that on your skin. I was like, you mean Levit Leviticus 19.28, don't you? And then 1 Corinthians 3, and then 1 Corinthians 6. Before they could get the next question, I was like ripping off all the verses they're going to bring up. And they're like, okay, 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 I see you've been prepared. You got ready for this before you got out of bed today. And they began to talk, and I said, well, well, here's the deal, my friends. If we're going to use societal law as a stipulation, though the reality is it does say not to mark your body, it's specifically talking about idolatry. Secondarily, females could not go to church on the menstruation cycle. Which part of societal law do you want to play with? And they're like, uh... And then I was like, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 are specifically talking about sexual immorality with the temple of God. So do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about my skin? And they're like, um. Then I said, do you want to know how I got these tattoos? They're like, yeah. Because I was against tattoos. And then I met my, my girlfriend who became my wife. And she got a tattoo. And I told her that she was going to go to H-E double hockey sticks for such a thing. And, um, and then she's like, that's stupid. You're dumb. And I was like, you're cute. I like that. And so... Um, <laughs> So then I went to get a tattoo, and when I walked in to get this tattoo, uh, again, being super honest, a, a large Caucasian male with blood tattooed on his throat told me that black people were the missing link of evolution. And I was like, huh? Where am I right now? 
So then I gave him a book and some stuff to read. And I said, I'll be back in a week and we'll talk some more. So I came back in a week. He and his girlfriend met me in the parking lot, both on their knees. They're like, we're wrong about everything. We need to know Jesus. Would you start a Bible study in our tattoo shop on Monday nights? Because everything we believed was obviously wrong. And I was like, yeah. And then I, that day I realized that my skin was less important than men and women's hearts. I'd sit in a chair and, get, and look like a dork with, with ink all over me for someone's heart. Many people have judgments to make about you that sit on the sidelines and aren't doing the work. Don't be offended. Just keep working. Keep working. They want to use regulations and stipulations from societal law to slow you down. Keep working. Don't go sit in the sidelines in the bleachers. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Hostility comes up over and over again. Jesus has the answer for the hostility the world has, the churches have, the denominations have. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. Right here, right now, and those all the way back in the day. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Man, what a gift. What a gift. I would like to ask you a question to ponder maybe later today. What are you putting in front of people that disables or prohibits, from that, prohibits them from getting close to Jesus? What barriers... What boundaries, what walls are you or I putting up that disable people from being able to have access to Christ? I would love for you and me to ponder that this week. At NeighborLink, one of our burdens is low barrier. Low barrier for a neighbor in need. Low barrier for a neighbor that wants to help. Low barrier for a church that wants to get involved and low barrier for someone that wants to start a new location in a new city or county. We're constantly doing work to figure out low barrier. As a reflection of the one who lowered the barrier, his blood producing new hearts, making new people. So what are we building that disable or prohibit people from having access? Traditions often get in the way they can be helpful, oftentimes they outlive their benefit. Do you know what I'm saying? They were beneficial for a season, but then we carry them on like their law. Which Jesus addresses, like you're raising those traditions of men above the very word of the Father. So maybe what are you elevating? What am I elevating above the word, above the gospel, above the Christ? that gets in the way of the beauty of Jesus. We all have that. Every one of us carry those, and only the Holy Spirit can crack those spots. Access in one spirit to the Father. Somebody asked me the other day, in fact, yesterday, uh, my, my stepson is struggling with his belief in the Trinity, and I was like, uh, yeah. I tried to explain that to my daughter and broke her brain at three years old, you know? 
Mandy's blamed me for almost 20 years, you know, like you just ruined our daughter's brain. Um, you see, it's like this and this and this. And I made it look like it was like, I made it sound like it was really easy to understand this three in one reality. And our daughter just like broke in the back. And I said, well, well, give me a little bit of understanding of this, this young man. Cause often fighting with our minds is to keep people from our hearts. Hear me on that. We will often use intellect to keep people from this. God and man. We'll give people just enough to think they know us so they can't get into the place that is us. He said, well, he was abused by his father emotionally, physically, mentally. And I said, I wonder if he blames his father in heaven for not protecting him. It's not a big leap, right? And so maybe his argument isn't that he, he doesn't believe in God, but he doesn't believe in the God who didn't feel like he was present, who wasn't there, wasn't, wasn't listening, wasn't protecting. Many people have a wrestling with that truth. Well, those answers are resolved, maybe not perfectly or easily, in the blood of Jesus, who gives us access to the real Father through the real Spirit. Sometimes when people are bickering and they're fighting and they're pushing, it's simply because they're hurt. They're just super hurt. Uh, when I was in Cleveland, I was doing street preaching back when I was like 22. Yay me. And um, imagine me at 22, full of passion, lots of answers, and um, thinking that I was going to save all of Cleveland in, in one or two failed swoops. So I'm out there in this town square, and I'm just like, boom, boom. <laughs> and they bring up evolution. I'm like, yeah, let me have it. And I'm coming for you. And I'm, I couldn't punch that well back then. I was kind of like doing this thing. But after some training, now I feel like I could just really get. And I remember this pastor came up to me. He's like, hey, bro, how you doing, man? I'm like, what, what's up, bud? And he goes, some people are sent from the enemy to distract you. And some people are sent from the Lord uh, with a soft heart. Hard hearts, man. Why do you keep punching hard hearts? Hurt people. You just keep trying to knock them into salvation. What if you didn't get distracted so much by trying to be right? And look for those whose hearts were soft and responsive to the Spirit. Good idea. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Man, could we get an amen for that? We're no longer strangers and aliens. We're actually people that have been brought into the beloved and we're now part of the household of God through the blood of Jesus. Not through any merit, skin, culture, ethnicity, right words, just the blood of Jesus. I know we're afraid of people who say they know Jesus but don't live like Jesus. But I would, I would challenge, the, challenge that we're probably the same. 
We're like, Lord, they're taking advantage of your name. And I go, man, I take advantage of your name. Lord, they're not not following you. Lord, I don't follow you. We need so much grace for each other. Many people have done NeighborLink and they get in there and they're like, there's two young men that could do this project for their grandma, sit on the couch playing Xbox. And I was like, where did Jesus meet you? What were you doing? How are you living? How are you acting? They're like, I was a rebel and running away from the Lord when he came and got me. I was like, yeah, you could have cleaned yourself up, but he didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He came to get you. We're no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints, set apart ones, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord. We need new humans living like we're new humanity. Christians in the first century would say we are the third race or there was the Jew, the Gentile, and then there was those who have been made one by the blood of Jesus, this new people. And I don't mean that as an elite reality, but the new reality of Jesus. He, he takes a separate people, a different people, a varied people, and brings them together underneath his blood in light of his cross and makes them new. The idea of a holy temple, can you guys give me a little bit, of, give me your understanding of a temple real quick. Tell me what a temple does. What is it? Worship. Say again. Baptism. Baptism, God's house. Place to meet God. Place to meet God. Place to meet your problems. Yep. Body. Body. A holy place. A holy place. Where the blood of Christ dwells. So the old temple was a, was a location, yes, in Jerusalem, correct? Now under the new covenant with the new wine, where is the temple? You, you and me, the place to meet God, to find peace, to seek refuge, do you, guys see, do you guys see the beauty of that? We are the mobile temples of God. He says here in verse 22, and I'll close, in him, I would plead with you and me to find super joy in those two words. All of life flows out from being in him. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. God, would you make it so? Would you build us up and build us together in a way where your spirit dwells and the world looks on and goes, there they are. There they are. I may have read this before, but I'm going to read this one more time. Can you go to Ezekiel 36 with me? I've had a little bit more clarity since I've read this over the last few years. Maybe over the next week, read Ezekiel 36 and 37 back and forth. Maybe, just maybe. Israel had ruined the name of God to the nations. 
That's the setup around verse 22. You have made my name a reproach to the nations. So I'm going to fix this. 36 of Ezekiel. I'm going to fix this, God says. I think we all have a dream that God would fix this. Would you guys agree? We all have a dream. So God says, you're, you're broken. That's part of the dream. The, the resolve of the dream is, yo, you, you're broken and busted and you've messed up my name. This is not who you're meant to be. And then around verse 25 and 26, he says, so I'm going to fix this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cleanse you from your idol, idols and your sin. I'm going to put a new heart inside of you. I'm going to put my spirit in you and take out this old heart of stone. I'm going to cause you to obey me and follow me. You will be my people and I will be your God. That is how I'm going to fix this. I am going to make you new. My brothers and sisters, God's plan for a broken place or a broken people is new people being new humans and a new humanity together. He would then say later on in 36 that he will therefore rebuild the cities. These new humans, this new humanity will, will be a way in which he rebuilds that which is busted and broken down. Chapter 37 is a vision of the valley of dry bones. I think it's the picture of what he's just promised. I'm going to make you new. You dry bones you. And then the last part of 37, he says he's going to take these tribes that have been separated and isolated and at war with one another, and they will now have one shepherd and one king. What a vision. We, bro we broke his name to the nations. He's, he promises to make us new. And then as he makes us new, he promises to rebuild cities and make us one under this king and this shepherd, and his name is Jesus. It's a really sweet promise. Lord Jesus, would you come? Amen? Amen. Have a beautiful day.